Hey everybody, well as they say in the hood, what's good y'all? It's Chris Gary here, a member of the We Are Rising podcast, as a matter of fact, one half of it, and a main contributor to the MMA opinion and focus fights, as I am a member of the administration to their Facebook page, the MMA opinion, the main admin of the Focus Fights Facebook page, and one of the people behind the Focus Fights Twitter and YouTube accounts. And on this very, very, very special edition of the We Are Rising podcast, and I'll explain while I'm doing this in a minute, I'm going to give my little thoughts and quick reviews on the Ryzen 17 card that's going to be taking place next Sunday, July 28th, from the world-famous, world-renowned, damn-near-iconic Saitama Super Arena. In Saitama City, Saitama Prefecture, Japan. In an event that will be live and direct for us American viewers and those around the world on the Fight TV app. That's F-I-T-E for all you simpletons out there. Now if you have already listened to the Ryzen 17 preview from the We Are Ryzen podcast that I tried to... Join Andrew Benjamin and Bruno Masami on Bruno Masami being an MMA journalist for Gazeta Deportiva based out of Brazil but is actually from Nagoya Aichi, Japan. I tried to get my little points across but the internet connection was just a tad bit poor. As a matter of fact it wasn't poor, it was more so pathetic. So... I decided to give up on trying to be a pain in the ass to anyone that would listen because it would basically be half-assed of me with a bad connection trying to be a part of a big call. And I apologize in advance, Andrew, if you're listening. But still, hopefully this review will get a more clear perspective from me without having to worry about the extra gremlins in the mic. So yeah, before we get started... Let me go ahead and remind you that the Ryzen 17 card, the one that's taking place July 28th, it'll feature 12 fights on the card, the first 7 of which will take place uninterrupted, concurrently actually, with the latter 3 of those 7 being Ryzen Lightweight Grand Prix qualifying bouts. There'll be 3 fighters Coming from these Ryzen Lightweight Grand Prix qualifiers and they will join Bellator fighter and former Bellator champion Patricky Pitbull Fierle as the first four to be a part of the Ryzen Lightweight Grand Prix set to start in October. The first set of these qualifiers which will take place over the next two events are Bezuto Pugnicerota versus Roberto Satoshi de Sosa. Note, he is Brazilian. So I'm pronouncing his first name with an H sound instead of an R. Tatsuya Kurosha Kawajiri versus undefeated upstar Aliya Dukalikov. And Satoru Kitaoka, the catch wrestling koala, the former Sengoku and deep world champion. Much like Mizuto Hirota versus UFC veteran Johnny Case of Jefferson, Iowa, USA. But before we even talk about these three fights... Let's go ahead and kick off the card 
And to kick off the bout card, it's going to be a bout that was supposed to have been originally a bout that featured a former world champion. As Daiki Watabe, a member of Team Tension Nasukawa, was supposed to face off against the sole assassin Kevin Ross. Instead, Daiki Watabe will be facing off against Bolivian Japanese kickboxer Hideki Bajarano. That's B-E-J-A-R-A-N-O. A native of Bolivia, but fighting out of Japan, representing Team Gloria as a kickboxer. Now, since I wasn't able to talk on the podcast and give the particulars out for these two fighters, because, let's face it, my little particulars probably wouldn't have done justice, here's Andrew Benjamin War on these two fighters. Hideki, another another fighter living in Japan who decides to go by a singular first name that is very common among Japanese people does not make it easy to find well, information. Well, to be honest, he probably wants to go by that singular name because the name Beharano probably would mean something different. It's possible. It's possible. But, you know, considering there's another kickboxer who goes by a name Hideki who is a full-blooded Japanese person, it did not help. It did not help when two got kickboxers named go by Hideki. But besides that, what I can tell you is Hideki has a record of 15-5-2. And, and Daiki Watabe has an under 500 record at 22-23-2. In my prediction on the podcast, what I was trying to imply to Bruno and Andrew was that if Kevin Ross and Daiki Watabe were to face off against each other as planned... Kevin Ross, considering the fact that he has the most to regain after losing his Bellator kickboxing featherweight title to his sworn rival Gabriel Varga last year, would be on a knockout spree, would be ready to tear Daiki's head off, and would be obviously coming out victorious. But considering the fact that these things really do change up, and it's like the old adage goes, card subject to change... You never know what you're going to get. And with Daiki, we just don't know what the hell we're going to get. But I have a feeling that Daiki is going to well on Hideki as if his name was Kevin Ross. Plus, when Kevin Ross comes back to competition after finding a way to fix that thumb of his, which is going to take time for the injury to heal... Daiki Watabe will be one of the people that will be looking to face him, either in Bellator kickboxing or in the rising ring. Plus, in case anybody needs no mentioning, this is both of these guys' rising debuts, so I'm pretty sure people are going to expect a good show from the former K1 veteran and the former All Box World Promotions 3-Division World Champion. So that'll look to be something. Up next on this card will be women's featherweight action. As Reina Miura, King Reina Miura, will be looking to get back on the right track in Ryzen after losing two straight fights to one-time UFC veteran Cindy Battlecat Dandois and current Invicta FC featherweight championship contender the striking Viking Caitlin Young. And she'll look to bounce back off the name of Stephanie Edgar. First of all, the particulars on these fighters. 
Stephanie Anger is a 3-in-1 prospect standing 5 feet 8 inches tall, weighing 135.7 pounds. Anger is 30 years old, born August 12, 1988, representing Buddy Jim under a judo-based style, fighting out of St. Gallen, Switzerland. Easy to note, Edgar has fought in Invicta before, losing to Alexa Connors via split decision at Invicta FC 20 in November 2016, in addition to taking a win over now UFC competitor Maria Romelo Borella back in October 2015. Her opponent? The woman with the insane mean streak who at one point in time just didn't give a damn who she fought, King Reina Miura. 5 feet 3 inches tall, 154.7 pounds. She will be turning 23 by fight day, as she was born July the 22nd, 1996. Representing Fight Club 428, fighting out of Musashi Murayama, Tokyo, Japan. Even though she is riding a two-fight winning streak in MMA, in sharing a common opponent with Edgar and Judith Reese, the other was a 25-second knockout over Maueda at Deep Jewels 23 back in March. After taking victories over pro wrestlers Shayna Baszler, Jazzy Gabbard, and Lady Tapa, the latter two of whom in the rising ring, Jazzy Gabbard got tapped out via armbar on April 16, 2017, while she defeated Tapa and Baszler, who is now the NXT Women's Champion, Via unanimous decision, she defeated Tapa on July 30th, 2017 and closed out Shayna Baszler's MMA career on February 25th, 2017 in a Deep Jewels contest. Miura's last rising victory was against Chris Cyborg trainee, former member of the United States military and semi-professional women's football player Crystal Brolic Strokes via the unanimous decision on October 15, 2017, prior to the Caitlin Young and Cindy Dandois losses, of which she lost to Dandois on December 29, 2017, and lost to Caitlin Young at Rising 12 on August 12, 2018. And about that, many probably thought Miura was winning after the first round, but it became clear and obvious it wasn't the case. Plus, Miura is a shootboxing veteran as well, defeating Yunji Kim via majority decision as a shootboxing and girls' S-Cup exhibition bout on July 6, 2018. But still, I think when it comes down to this fight, King Reiner's got all the tools in the trade to provide the victory because obviously she has done her best to control herself, to maintain her pace, and obviously in the case of the Malueta fight, to prove that she has a down punch. Hell, most of her victories inside the Deep Jewels ring or cage have been via first round finish. Most of those via submission, so I wouldn't be surprised King Reyna gets the win by making Miss Egger tap, tap, tap. But still, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a nice clean fight between these two ladies, even though King Reyna is going to come in with a piss poor attitude, which wouldn't be expected of her if she didn't have it. <laughs> in the next fight on our list 
It'll be a women's animweight contest between two current champions of two respective promotions. Ham versus Tomo Maisawa. First of all, the particulars for Tomo Maisawa, who will probably be coming in as the underdog in this fight. Maisawa is 4 feet 11 inches or 150 centimeters tall. She weighs in at 105.6 pounds. Is 31 years old, born December the 12th, 1987. And originally from Aomori, Japan. Fighting out of reversal gym Tachikawa Alpha in Tachikawa, Tokyo, Japan. She is the current reigning Deep Jewels Atomweight World Champion and fought most of her career in a Deep Jewels ring or cage. With one bout obviously being in Road FC, one bout in Gladiator, and one bout in Pacific Extreme Combat in a loss to Cast Iron Courtney Casey. That Road FC fight she was in, she defeated the teenage fighter Yi J. Lee via split decision. Prior to the Kana Asakura loss back on March 8th, she had a three fight winning streak, which was sealed by her defeating Mina Kurobe for the Deep Jewels Animeweight Championship back on December 1st. That title used to be the former Deep Jewels Featherweight Championship, which used to be the Jewels Featherweight Championship before Deep FC bought it out. Matching up against the 12 and 9 Maisawa is the 20 and 8 UFC veteran Siohi Ham, aka Hongdele Silva. She stands in at 5 feet 2 inches or 158 centimeters tall, weighs in at 106.7 pounds, and fights with a 62 inch reach. She is 32 years of age, born March the 8th, 1987, in Gangwon, South Korea. Fighting out of the infamous Busan Team Mad, known for birthing the career of one Korean zombie, Chan Sun Jung, in Busan, South Korea. Seo Hee Hum is a kickboxing and shootboxing veteran who has also made her run in MMA with the brilliance of ease because, of course, if you look at her career at any point, you would know that the only reason why she even started her career in Japan was because South Korea, hell, Korea in general, didn't really have any proper MMA leagues for women, so she had to go to Japan and make herself known. And she made herself known in Deep Smack Girl and Jewels, fighting names like Hisai Watanabe, Miku Matsumoto, Megumi Fuji, Saori Ishioka, Reina Kubota in a shootboxing exhibition. Mika Nagano Ayaka Hamasaki, who is the current rising super animate world champion and a fighter that Ham wants to fight so bad, because obviously they fought twice, and all Siohi Ham wants to get is just a win over her, or a win over Raina Kubota. In addition to that, Ham has fought names like Mei Yamaguchi, Emi Fujino, Lisa Ellis, Naoho Sugirak Sugiyama, and in addition to that, has gone 5-0 inside the Road FC cage, defeating Shino Van Hoos, Alonia Rasconia, Mina Kurobe to become the Road FC Animate Champion, current Invicta Animate Champion Jin Yu Frey, and Jung Yun Park, more recently back on December 15th. 
the latter two obviously title defenses. But still, people will only remember Siohi Ham in the Western Hemisphere for her four UFC appearances, in which she lost to Joanne Calderwood, Rowdy Beck Rollins, who is now a bare knuckle boxer and is a free agent in MMA, and Danielle Dynamite Taylor, the two time King of the Cage women's strawweight world champ, who now fights for Invicta, and also defeating Cast Iron Courtney Casey. The woman that Tomo Maisawa could not beat. But in this fight, it's obvious that Ham will probably get most of the love because she has not fought on Japanese soil since defeating Sari Ishioka for the Deep Jewels Featherweight, now Deep Jewels Animate World Championship back on November 3rd, 2014. And obviously, Maisawa has that belt, but neither title will be on the line. And we all know this bout is really going to decide the pecking order for the Ryzen Animate or Super Animate division. So if Siohi Ham wins this fight, I wouldn't be surprised if a battle of the champions happened where it's Siohi Ham versus Ayaka Hamasaki 3. But other than that, I don't think that Siohi Ham is going to come in with any margin forever. I think she's going to come in, kick ass, and leave. And even though Maisawa will have her head held high because she's representing Deep Jewels, she's going to be leaving thinking, what the hell did I just step into when she faces off against probably one of the baddest women on the planet that's not in the UFC right now or not in Invicta right now. And I think their style matchup, Han being a kickboxer, Maisawa being a judo practitioner, I think he's going to lead to a lot of problems for Maisawa if she doesn't know how to grapple her way out that situation. So yeah, as long as Ham doesn't have to worry about Maisawa's judo techniques and grappling skill set, I think Ham is going to get this one probably by way of a first round finish. Up next on the Ryzen 17 card is about that many people, myself included, probably wished that this was the main event, but in actuality, unfortunately, it is not. It is the fourth fight on the card, but it should be a banger. As the old classic battle between USA and Russia heads straight to the Ryzen ring, as the Honey Bear Che Kyun will take on the dancing Russian bear Vitaly Shimatov. First of all, the particulars for the Palmer, Alaska native Jake Hume. At 13 and 9 overall, he stands 6 feet 2 inches tall. Weighed previously for his fight against Rocky Martinez at 214 and 1 half pounds. He fights with a 76 inch reach. He is 31 years old. Born August 24, 1987 in Anchorage, Alaska. Graduated from the University of Hawaii as he played college football for the Rainbow Warriors. He currently resides in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, but trains out of American Top Team in Coconut Creek, Florida, USA. He is currently 1-1 inside the rising ring. Losing to eventual light heavyweight champion Yuri Denisha Blohaska back on September 30th, 2018. Getting knocked out by him in 4 minutes and 30 seconds flat. Defeating, more recently, deep megaton champion Rocky Martinez via split decision back on September 2nd. And now, 
Rocky's going through contract negotiations, but it's possible that he's going to be fighting for deep soon. In addition to that, he is a 2018 PFL heavyweight veteran. He is a one-time Road FC veteran defeating Pride FC vet Mubei Choi. He is a six-fight WSOL veteran, going 3-3 three three in the promotion, with his most notable losses being against Prince Melino Rama and Vinny Hellboy Malgahayas. And need we forget to mention, in addition to being a three-fight pro elite veteran, he is a two-time Ultimate Fighter veteran on seasons 17 and 19, losing via armbar twice to Adam Sella and Todd Monacan in order to get denied from the Tough House. But yeah, Jay Kuhn has come a long way since then, for obvious reasons. His opponent is a walking, talking meme. He's a nightmare with a video package that makes you laugh your ass off. Vitaly Shimatov is riding a 10-fight winning streak, and he is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, especially considering the fact that the guy has been fighting since he was 16 years old. This former IAFC Challenge Cup winner... Stands in at 6 feet 1 inch tall, weighs in at 202.8 pounds, with a 78.3 inch reach. He is 34 years old, born July 9, 1985, representing the Shembros Academy alongside his brother, who also shares just as much of the brunt of these online videos that these two are in, more than anything, and he fights out of Unsk, Russia. But still... This dude is riding a 10-fight winning streak. He's a veteran of such promotions as X1 World Events, K1, Mars Reality Super Fighting, of course being a two-time IAFC Challenge Cup winner, and a former member of the Bars promotion. This will be Shimatov's first time fighting in Japan since knocking out John Xiohan back on October 28, 2006 at Mars 5 Marching On at the Ryogoku Kokuchikan. But still, for all the trials this man had to go through as far as his career has gone, he has a 10-fight winning streak, most of which has come via devastating finish. His most recent was a devastating finish over Shannon the Cannon Rich. And he obviously had a fight with Rakeem Cleveland that did not really go the way he wanted it to. And the fight ended in a no contest. But still, even though Shim Tom is currently riding a multiple, multiple fight winning streak. He has not fought since August 26, 2017, when he had that no contest against Rakeem Cleveland. But he's been begging and pleading for a spot on the rising card or a spot in the rising roster for at least the last two years. So he's been looking to get on the roster any way he can. And with this being his official debut against Jay Kuhn, a fighter who's already established into the fold of the Rising Fighting Federation. I won't be surprised if this fight does not make it out of the first round. But then again, we haven't really seen much of Jay Kuhn's finishing power in Rising. 
we know that he has it because if you've seen him fight anywhere other than the Ultimate Fighter, you would know that. But still, I think if the fight makes it out of the first round, Jaquem is kind of screwed. Because I think that'll be where Vitaly Shimatov will just unleash the beast on him. And even if they do make it past the first couple of minutes in the first round, JQ better be forewarned because even though it was cool to see him and Rocky Martinez have that nice little phone booth brawl that they had at Ryzen 15 that led to Hume winning to be a split decision, I wouldn't try and test myself against a Russian bear if you know what I mean because... Shimatov has all the tools in the trade to possibly maul J-Kune, and if J-Kune ain't careful, Shimatov might brush off that ring rust and put another KO victory in the win column. So yeah, no disrespect to J-Kune, but I think I got Vitaly Shimatov in this one, and I think that if Vitaly Shimatov wins this fight, he did say he was dedicating it to a person that he once loved, that he's coming out to an old Scorpions song. I think Shimatov is going to do his best diplomacy speech and basically say how much he loves Japan, how much he loves Ryzen, and how much he wants to come back to Ryzen just to meet the girl that he once loved. Or, in a way, just to let the girl who he once loved notice him one good time. But I digress. Because love is a cruel twist of fate. <laughs> Up next on the Ryzen 17 fight card is a set of three lightweight Grand Prix qualifying bouts that will proceed. Three winners into joining Patricky Pitbull Fiore as part of the Ryzen Lightweight World Grand Prix this October. First bout is Roberto Satoshi Toshi de Sosa versus Mizuto Pugni Shirota. First of all, the particulars on the now former two-time UFC veteran and former deep featherweight champion, Hirota. Hirota is a sumo boxing and judo practitioner, standing 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighing in at 156 pounds with a 67 inch reach. Age 38, he was born May 5, 1981 in Isahaya, Nagasaki, Japan. Fighting out of Cave and hailing from Nakano, Tokyo, Japan. He most recently finished off his second stint in the Octagon with a 1-3-1 record. Drawing with fellow UFC Road to Japan co-winner Teruto Yashabo Ishihara and defeating Cole Maglinho Miller, he lost to Alexander Volkanovsky, Ross the Real Deal Pearson, and Christos Spartan Giagos each via unanimous decision, which in addition to his two losses against Hani Yaya and Harhiko Dom, drops his UFC record overall to 1-5-1. And, and if you want to count the strike force fight he had with Pat Bam Bam Healy, that drops his Zufa record to 1-6-1. But if you know your JMMA history, you would know that in between him winning the deep lightweight championship, defeating Katsunaliki Kuno and Seichi Ikemoto, and of course defeating Satoru Kitaoka for the Sengoku lightweight title, 
you would know that he got his damn arm snapped by Shinya Aoki and flipped off at Fields Dynamite 2009 via hammerlock submission on New Year's Eve 09 in the first round. But still, Mizuto Pugnus Hirota has maintained a stellar career. I mean, obviously, he's a Shudo veteran, a Cage Force veteran, the former Cage Force lightweight champion, in addition to being the former Sengoku and Deep lightweight champion before and after Aoki broke his arm and before and after the UFC stints. So obviously this will be Hirota's first non-UFC form of competition since he knocked out Kyu-Hua Kim at Deep Dream Impact on New Year's Eve 2014 in the one Saitama Super Arena New Year's Eve event that didn't sell well as far as the gate went. Of course, Hirota knocked out Kyu-Hua Kim with a soccer kick and some ground and pound work in the second round. But, Hirota's gonna need plenty of that, and more, to take out the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu powers and technique of Roberto Satoshi de Sousa. Roberto Satoshi de Sousa stands in at 5 feet 11 inches tall and weighs in at 163.1 pounds, but will need to drop down to 157 to meet the lightweight limit for this fight. He is 29 years old, Born September 19, 1989 in Sao Paulo, Brasil, he and his brother Marcos Yoshio Maquinhos de Sousa train out of and run Bonsai Jiu-Jitsu in Iwata, Shizuoka, Japan. And of course, Roberto Satoshi de Sousa, in case you haven't known, is a grappling legend. He's a veteran of Quintet, a veteran of Metamorphs, a veteran of the Abu Dhabi Combat Club. And in addition to that, he is the former Real FC lightweight champion and a veteran of Arzalet fighting as well. The last time we saw Roberto Satoshi de Sousa was back at Rising Field Team when he and Satoru Kitaoka were swinging for the fences back on April 21st until the fight moved to the second round. And Kitoka's dreams of winning his first fight via knockout were not only dashed away with a right strength, but were basically cancelled as Roberto Satoshi got the early finish. Now, I don't want to try and diminish Mizuto Pugnis Hirota's legacy because, of course, he's a three-time world lightweight champion in three different promotions. But I don't think that Hirota is ready to handle Roberto Satoshi de Sousa because if Roberto Satoshi can handle Satoru Kitaoka and knock him out in the second round with ease, I can imagine him doing the same thing to Mizuto Hirota. But the only thing will be that he will basically turn Hirota into a meme, not just a highlight like Aoki done. Basically, what I'm saying is, I think Roberto Satoshi de Sousa is going to knock Mizuto Hirota, pardon my French, the fuck out. Done deal. And if he doesn't knock him out, I think it's going to probably be more likely via a submission. Because, of course, when Roberto's hands aren't really doing the trick, he does know how to choke somebody out. As a matter of fact, 
Most of his victories in MMA have come by way of rear naked choke or arm triangle choke. So he has a way to break down his opponents via submission. But after seeing that fight that he had with Satoru Kito, I won't be surprised if he goes for the early knockout. But that's just my opinion, even though I still think the Sosa is going to win that fight. The next fight on our list will be a JMMA legend versus an undefeated Russian powerhouse. As Ali Abdulkalikov will take on Tatsuya Krosha Kawajiri. First of all, the particulars for the undefeated Russian Abdulkalikov. He stands in at 5 feet 9 inches tall, weighs in at 155 pounds. According to Tapology, his age, date of birth, and reach are all unknown. He is a Wushu Sanda practitioner fighting out of Mitishi, Russia. According to Tapology, in Abdukalikov's seven fights so far as a professional, he has managed to amass 10 minutes and 33 seconds. Of course, that comes with the fact that three of his seven wins so far have been by way of knockout. A knockout over Ivan Ulanchenko, a knockout over current UFC fighter Joel Alvarez, and a knockout over Ali Aberdi Tumanov. The rest, mostly for Pro FC, and one fight more recently for Fight Nights Global, were via unanimous decision. He's also got an extensive amateur background, going 5-4 and four in the amateur ranks. But even though Abdul Kalikov is coming in with an undefeated record, he's also coming in as the slight underdog against a JMMA veteran. Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri is 41 years old, born May 8, 1978 in Inashiki, Ibaraki, Japan. He has a professional record of 36 up, 13 down, and 2 draws. He stands in at 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighing in at 145 pounds with a 69 inch reach, representing T-Blood. His fight count that he's been training out of for the better part of over two decades. Even though more fans know him for his six fight run inside the octagon. Where he went three up and three down with wins over Sean Soriano, Jason Hick, Diaz Knight, and Dennis Sieber. And losses to Dennis Bermudez, Clay Guida, and Cub Swanson. The hardest of the hardcores know Kawajiri. From his run in Dream, the one fight he had in Strike Force with Gilbert Melendez, his two K1 Dynamite fights against Josh Thompson and Kazunori Yokota, his run when Pride was just about to close the doors, where he fought names like Luis Firmino, Takanori Gomi, Felony, formerly Crazy Horse Charles Bennett, I hope he didn't hear me, and Gilbert Melendez. And his run in Shuto, which was his first major gig with a promotion. But still, this 51-fight veteran is currently coming in to this rising bout at 1-3 and three in the rising ring. Losing on New Year's Eve 2016 to now UFC veteran Kron Gracie. 
and losing more recently to Gabriel the Diamond Oliveira via knockout back on October 15, 2017, and losing at the Haystage last Yarnoka event on the night of December 30th to the catch wrestling koala Satoru Kitaoka, who I will talk about in a little bit. His only win during that span was against El Tolo Anthony Burchak, who's currently fighting for Combachi Americas. But this fight will be the toughest test that the young Russian Adukalikov will have to take because obviously fighting a fighter with the caliber of Tatsuya Kawajiri is not really the best option, especially with the kind of resume that Kawajiri has, even though he never won any titles. The only times he ever got closest to them were where he got his legs broken by Shinya Aoki and where he got elbowed to oblivion by Gilbert El Nino Melendez, who, to be honest, needs to get cut from the UFC because we've seen enough. But still, Kawajiri is a fighter that I don't think anybody would want to fight on their best days. But Abdul Kalikov, he's going to be coming into this test with a lot to ace and nothing to fail. That is why I think that unless Abdul Kalikov comes in like a roaring lion and just mauls Kawajiri for three rounds in order to advance to the Ryzen Lightweight Grand Prix, I think Kawajiri's got this one in the bag because I think that him not being in the Ryzen Grand Prix would just be a waste of everybody's time, if not false advertising, because... Kawajiri has never fought in a Grand Prix type of environment, if I remember correctly. I mean, he's fought in Dream. He's fought in the dying days of Pride FC and those old Bushido shows. He's fought for Shudo and, obviously, I don't think he's ever fought in a tournament. I mean, he's fought at events. He's fought in big fights. But he's never fought in a tournament. Still, it'll be fun to see Kawajiri fight and hopefully win. Because he definitely needs a win. And if he doesn't, if he loses to Ali Abdul Kalikov, I don't know. We may see him put the gloves in the middle of the ring and call it a career. As is tradition. In professional MMA and boxing and kickboxing. But still, I would hope that's not the case. I mean, because I happen to be one of those hardcores that used to stay up way past my bedtime and watch Kawajiri bust his ass and dream. Much like the past generation watched him in those old Pride FC events. But yeah, I do hope that Kawajiri wins this fight for the sake of saving his career. Because I want that career to move on and I hope that the fans will at least give him the love and respect that he deserves. Our third and final lightweight Grand Prix fight will see a fight that featured a man that got a big win via elbow knockout in his most recent Rising FF bout against a guy who was damn near close to getting his first knockout victory ever in his most recent Rising FF bout. Hollywood Johnny Case versus the catch wrestling koala Satoru Kitaoka. 
first of all, the particulars for the 25, 6, and 1 case. He's 5 feet 10 inches tall, 156 pounds, with a 72 and a half inch reach. Born in Jefferson, Iowa on June 28, 1989, Johnny Case is 30 years old. He fights out of Extreme Couture in Las Vegas, but calls the MMA lab in Glendale, Arizona under Coach John Crouch his home. He's currently riding a three-fight winning streak, winning fights in Brazil, in the U.S. West Coast, and knocking out Yusuke Yachi with an elbow. Well, not really knocking him out with an elbow, cutting him open so bad at Rising 14 that he wasn't even allowed to continue. And of course, as many people know, the last time they saw him on their regular TV screens in the States, he had a draw with Nathan Shorty at PFL Week 9 back on October 13, 2018. But still, Case had a six-fight run in the octagon that began with a guillotine choke submission victory over Kazuki Tokudome, the Pancrase fighter, and etched with a ground-and-pound knockout over Frankie Pelles. In addition to that, he had unanimous decision victories over Francisco Trevino, who got popped for weed, and Jan Cabral, before losing via rear-naked choke to Jake the Celtic Kid Matthews and Anthony Rocco Martin. The former Midwest Cage contender lightweight champion and RFA veteran will look to test his medal against the catch wrestling koala who nearly had a knockout in his last fight if it wasn't for bumping into the immovable force known as Roberto Satoshi de Sosa. Satoru Kitoka stands in at 5 feet 6 inches tall, weighs in at 165.3 pounds, will need to drop to 157 in order to try and qualify for this tournament. At age 39, born February the 4th, 1980 in Nara, Japan, he is on the downswing of his career, but don't you dare tell him that if you want to save your legs. He represents his own fight camp, Lotus, and is trained in the style of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo, fighting out of Shinjuku Endo, Tokyo, Japan. This first ever Sengoku lightweight champion and former deep lightweight champion is a force of nature. He is a veteran of greatest common multiple, obviously of Pancrase, where he vied for the lightweight King of Pancrase title only once, and that was way later into his career. Kitaoka also fought for Dream three times by virtue of fighting. Shinya Aoki for the Dream Lightweight title on that very convoluted New Year's Eve Fight for Japan show in 2011. In addition to fighting before and after the doors were starting to close on the promotion against former Shudo Welterweight World Champion William Ifiere and former Bellator Lightweight World Champion Ill Will Brooks, respectively. The latter of which was just as Brooks was starting to find his footing in professional MMA. He is obviously the former deep lightweight champion, defeating Daisuke Nakamura and defending the title against Naoto Miyazaki, Yoshiyuki Zenko Yoshida, Yuki Okano and Koto Shimoichi before eventually losing the title to Koji Takeda back on October 27, 2018. 
Although Satoru Kitoka is 2-4 in his rising campaign, with big wins over Darren Crookshank and Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri, he is known for these intense fights that he's in now with guys like Yusuke Yachi, Kichi Strasa Kunimoto, Diego Brandao, which ended abruptly, and Roberto Satoshi de Sosa, which of course I mentioned before, felt like a miniaturized version of foam boot fighting. But this 70 fight veteran going into his 71st fight will probably not have many problems with Johnny Case as much as he wants to say that to him, fighting is better than, well, you know, jerking a chicken. <laughs> but still, I think the case is when it comes down to Satoru is that he has to realize that Johnny Case is destined to get a victory no matter what. And if he sees an opening on Satoru Kitaoka, all it will take is one move, one big elbow, one nice sharp blow to the skull that'll cut Kitaoka open and that'll be the end of that. So while I'm picking Johnny Case to win this fight, not because of bias, but because of dangerousness, I think all Satoru Kitaoka will have to do is avoid the right hand, avoid the elbow, and I think he'll be set to have another exciting fight, which is what he's had, or what he's been having, ever since he started his career on Halloween night 2000. After the seven straight fights will happen, a intermission will take place, and who knows how long that intermission will take place, just as long as it doesn't take over an hour just to get things situated, because Fuji TV will be airing the Ryzen 17 event on a tape delay. The only people that'll be seeing the event are the ones on Fight TV around the world, especially in the United States, and on Giao and Sky Perfect in Japan. But after that intermission is over with, the fights continue as the final five fights of the evening take place. As we got a battle between a kickboxing powerhouse versus a kid who's only 22 and probably might see his best days behind him already. As the life fighter, Hikaru Machida will take on the representative of Tryhard Jim, who is trying desperately to keep his career afloat, Taiga Kawabe. First of all, the particulars for Hikaru Machida, the live fighter. He stands in at 5 feet 6 and a half inches tall and weighs in at 136 and a half pounds. Born July 23rd, 1987, he is 32 or will turn 32 years old by the time this fight happens. He fights out of the Hashimoto Dojo and hails from Fusa, Tokyo, Japan. He has a record of 28 wins, 11 losses, and 3 draws as the current WPMF World Super Featherweight Champion. His opponent, the Hypernova, Tiger Kuabe who at 22 years old, born August 14, 1996, is currently riding a record of 21 wins, 9 losses, and 6 of those 21 wins by way of knockout. A native of Aikawa, Kanagawa, Japan, he stands in at 5 feet 5 inches tall and weighs in at 132 pounds, 
this kickboxing and karateka southpaw fights out the try-hard gym in Sagamihara, Kanagawa, Japan. He is the 2015 K155 kilogram or 123-pound world championship runner-up, the former K1 World Grand Prix 60 kilogram or 132-pound world Grand Prix runner-up, and is the 2017 K1 World Grand Prix at 60 kilograms and 2014 K1 Krush. 55 kilogram runner-up. But in case you needed a refresher course on just how far Tiger has fallen, after winning the K1 World Grand Prix in 2016 at 60 kilograms or 132 pounds, he defeated Hirotaka Urabe and Koji via unanimous decision respectively, and ever since then has fallen into a bit of a downswing getting knocked out by Stolos Escacostidis, losing via split decision to Kyambang Lin, drawing with Kento Haraguchi in his first Ryzen bout at Ryzen 13 back on September 30th, 2018, then losing via majority decision to Shu Yu, then losing in the first round of the Rise 2019 World Series at 58 kilograms, or 130 pounds to Seixan or Guangluang. And the bad cherry on top of that, you know what Sunday, Tiger got knocked out by Dalising Borge Gomez Vajelia back at Ryzen 15 in a devastating second round flush punch knockout. So unfortunately, going 0-5-1 since your biggest accomplishment really ain't all that much to smile at. But at 22 years old, I don't think Tiger is a washout. I just think that even though he's a 35 veteran, he needs to figure out some way to revitalize his career. Or just go ahead and call it quits and, you know, move into boxing or something. Maybe professional wrestling, or pure wrestling as the Japanese call it. If he packs on a couple of more LBs or a few more kilograms... But still, I think this is the fight that'll probably revitalize Tiger's career if he knows what he's doing. Because Hikaru Machida knows that he has a lot to prove. And in his introductory press conference to mark his rising debut, I wouldn't say he had a lot to say. But he came in the damn place feeling pretty rambunctious and saying that he was going to put young Tiger out to pasture, or something similar to that. The point of the matter is Machida, who will come in with nearly a 9-year age advantage compared to Tiger, he's gonna be looking for a statement to make, even though he's the current WPMF Super Featherweight World Champion. So, just to play it safe, I'ma pick Machida to win, but Tiger better get his shit in order. And prove me wrong, because if he doesn't, he may have to think about finding a new line of work before his losses reach double digits. Because it's bad enough that he's a former K1 World Champion and he's messing up like this. It's worse enough that he's doing it, currently riding a streak of no wins, 5 losses, and 1 draw. I know a lot of these guys have fighting spirit, but if Tiger has any left in the tank, 
he probably needs to use the last of it before he completely wears out. That's not to be said on that. Our fourth to last contest of the event will see a surging force in the upper weight classes of light heavyweight and heavyweight make his presence felt in a new land as he fights for the first time away from a certain promotion's umbrella after a whole lot of crazy shit went down. Is the Uno Hulk Ivan Shirtikov, S-H-T-Y-R-K-O-V, I'm sorry for butchering that name up, versus Road FC veteran Hoon Kim. First of all, the particulars for the Road FC veteran Hoon Kim. He is 6 feet tall, weighs in at 188.3 pounds. He is 39 years old, born January the 11th of 1980. Representing Team Fighter and fighting out of Seoul, South Korea. This man is a veteran of MMA fighting for South Korea's first major MMA promotion, Gimme 5, and reaching their heavyweight Grand Prix tournament quarterfinals. He has also fought names like Amar Sulaev, Professor X, Xavier Fupapokum, former welterweight King of Pan, Kreis Takenoi Sato. Pride FC veteran Daiju Takeshi, UFC veteran Kitake Taro Nakamura, the illustrious Ikuhisa Minoa Man Minoa, and he has a victory over a young strapping lad known as Robert the Reaper Whitaker, aka the current UFC middleweight champion of the world, no big deal. But the last time Hoon Kim fought, he lost. To Young Choi for the vacant Road FC Interim Middleweight Championship back on October 28, 2017. This after he defeated Crazy B representative and former UFC fighter, former Road FC Middleweight Champion as well, Riki Fukuda. So whom Kim will be playing the role of your traditional jobber when it comes down to this upcoming fight against a beast from the East who is known to make a feast of his competition. The Uluhok, Ivan Shirtikov, is a 16-0-1 professional mixed martial artist. He stands in his 6 feet tall, weighed in most recently at 215.5 pounds for a fight that he won via armbar over former UFC fighter, and the first ever ACB light heavyweight champion, Thiago Silva. And he also has a 74 and a half inch reach. He is 31 years old. Born June 9th, 1988. Representing Tiger Muay Thai and BK Archangel Mikhail. Fighting out of Yekaterinburg, Russia. If you look at his impressive line of work, even though most of his fights took place under the devious arms of German T-Tob, who is known for basically corruption and dirty deeds, asked Kareem Zidane about him. He is also known for defeating or drawing with 11 MMA veterans from the UFC Pride FC. Bellator, Ryzen, and KSW. I mean, listen to the list of names I'm about to go ahead and drop down on. He defeated Jump the Snowman Munson in what was supposed to have been an exhibition fight. 
31 seconds via armbar. He defeated former UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Rico Suave Rodriguez. He defeated former Elite XC heavyweight champion, Antonio Bigfoot Silva. He defeated UFC veteran Rodney Shonut, the Master Wallace. He knocked out current KSW heavyweight champion Phil F11 DeFreeze. He knocked out former 2008 Olympic judo gold medalist Satoshi Ishii. He defeated former Bellator light heavyweight champion Cristiano Pumbu. KSW veteran Marcin Lazars. He drew with former UFC signee. They couldn't sign him due to hepatitis. Geronimo Mondragon Dos Santos. Geronimo is also a former Ryzen veteran. He knocked out Fabio the Iron Hillbilly Maldonado and made him switch back to boxing. And now he's contemplating quitting combat sports altogether. And he finished up Tiago Silva. He was supposed to have fought in the UFC. He was signed back in March. He was supposed to make his debut back in April. He was supposed to have fought Devin the Brown Bear Clark. But unfortunately, he leapt out due to a so-called illness. Unfortunately, that illness basically led to him being suspended for two years by USADA only after Shertikov basically parted ways with the UFC. I mean, even though the UFC still has a profile for him on their website, Shertikov basically signed on the dotted line with Ryzen before they could even think about suspending him for two years. Which, to be quite honest, if everybody knew that this was going to happen, and we all knew it was going to happen, because of the devious shit he had to deal with prior to heading into the UFC, he would have never signed with the UFC in the first place. We all knew that Shertikov was going to get popped by USADA. It was only a matter of time before he was set to face off against Devin the Brown Bear Clark that he was going to get popped for drugs. But... Alas, the UFC did not catch him quick enough to put the clamps on him. So now, he's in Ryzen, looking to make a fresh start. His first fight away from the Eastern Bloc of the former Soviet Union, which if you know your history, that's the thing that happened before 1990, before all those little countries, including Russia, became what they are now. But... Still, all BS aside when it comes to Ivan Shertikov, the dude is a monster. I mean, despite the fact that German Titov's boxing promotions and Russian Copper Company promotions basically gave him hand-picked opponents, really, even though they were game UFC and other big show veterans... They basically were just feeding him competition. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the dude had a stacked fight schedule. He fought three times in 2016. He fought five times in 2015. He fought four times in 2017. And he fought four times last year in 2018. If he would have been signed to the UFC, the chances of him fighting more than once would have desperately dropped. But... 
now he's free to do whatever. He's going to be fighting again for German Titov's promotions down the line, but to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes another highlight reel knockout off the guy that beat the now current UFC middleweight world champion. So I'm basically saying in the immortal words of the Gypsy King Tyson Fury, I think Ivan Cherdakov is going to knock whom Kim Spark the fuck out. And I think that's all there is to it because we all know Ivan is an Uru Hulk. But I think after the end of this event, people are going to be calling him the Beast. And not in a way like Bob Sapp, no disrespect. But they are going to call him the Beast because he'll just be completely unstoppable. Plus, in a way... I think that the Ivan Shertikov Hoon Kim fight and the JQ Vitali Shimatov fight will possibly decide who gets the chance to face off against Yuri Prohaska for the Ryzen Light Heavyweight Championship in Yuri's first defense. So it's going to be something to see both of these light heavyweight belts, JQ versus Shimatov. And obviously, I've been sure to call forcing whom Kim the job out because it's gonna be a nice little affair. But I hope that the winner of the Hume Shimatov fight better get ready for what's coming next. The fight between Shertikov versus the winner of that fight does come to fruition. And that's all I can say on that. Believe me. Our final set of the bouts of the evening will see two sets of Bantamweight contenders look to try and knock Gucci two belts, aka Kyoji Horiguchi, the current Bellator and Ryzen Bantamweight world champion, from his pedestal. The first bout will see the now former deep Bantamweight world champion Yuki Motoya take on the current Shudo champion Hiromasa Ogikubo. First, the particulars for Motoya. 5 feet 7, 135 pounds. Age 29, born September 14, 1989 in Kagat, Ishikawa, Japan. Representing CB Impact in the style of kickboxing and fighting out of Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. He has a record of 23 and 6 with one no contest. Although Motoya's record in rising competition is 3-1-1, one, one, as in the one being the one no contest that he had with Felipe Efrain at the first Ryzen Fighting Federation show back on December 29, 2015, the former deep flyweight and bantamweight champion has done a hell of a lot for his career. I mean, obviously. He defended the deep flyweight belt a few times and made a killing in the bantamweight division before losing his title to Victor Henry, Josh Barnett's trainee. But still, his most recent victory inside the rising ring was on New Year's Eve 2018 when he defeated former UFC fighter Justin Tank Scoggins via leg scissors choke. And aside from that, his big wins... A sleeper choke submission victory over Kazuma Sone and a split decision win over Alan Blue Oso Nascimento 
former XFC international fighter, have done wonders for his career, but he will be facing off against a man so desperate to fight Kyoji Horiguchi that he'll be looking to risk everything he has in order to save his livelihood. Hiromaso Gikubo has a record of 18-4-2. At 5 feet 3 inches tall, he weighs in at 125.5 pounds, but will need to bulk up to 135 for this fight. He's 32 years old, born April Fool's Day 1987 in Kuji Iwate, Japan. Representing Paresta Matsudo, finding out on Matsudo Chiba, Japan, under the Karateka stylings. He is the current Shuto Flyweight World Champion, defeating Kiyotaka Shimizu back on May 6th, but obviously declining that 1FC contract because he feels that fighting in Ryzen is much more important. So far, he's only fought once inside the Ryzen ring, losing to Kyoji Horiguchi via unanimous decision at Ryzen 11. Probably the only non-finish so far in Kyoji's Ryzen tenure. He's a Season 24 veteran of the Ultimate Fighter coming into the show as the Shudo Champion. He defeated Zulu Boy Quasimulo Zulu. And then defeated Adam Captain Chaos Antolin. And then defeated UFC fighter Alexandre Cannibal Pantoja. Before losing to eventual Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson challenger Tim Elliott. He is a longtime veteran of Shudo, a one fight veteran of shoot boxing, defeating Yuji Sugawara. And is a veteran of Valley Tudo Japan. Oh, and did I mention that he fought Kyoji Horiguchi before? I meant to say that he fought him twice. Once inside the Ryzen ring, and previous to that, back on March 16, 2013, when he lost to Horiguchi via rear naked choke for the Shudo Bantamweight title. So yeah, Hiromasa Gikubo has been through a lot of shit lately. And by lately, I mean just over the last three years, because he was supposed to have went on and won the Ultimate Fighter, and then moved on to face off against Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, but instead, he lost to Tim Elliott, and his whole world crumbled around him, because he lost his wife, he lost his kids, he got divorced, and ended up being a little bit problematic. Not just problematic, but more like suicidal, to be honest. And he was about ready to just call it into it all. But he realized that fighting was way more important than ending it. So he went back to Shudo. And defeated Danny DeGrumman Martinez. And became the Shudo Flyweight Champion. Defeating Tadaaki Onibosu Yamamoto. And he obviously defeated Yoshitaka Nobita Naito. Well, actually, that was a no contest in an exhibition. But still, more recently, he defeated Kiyotaka Shimizu to become the Shudo Flyweight Champion. Declined that 1FC contract to become a Ryzen fighter. And now, he has a chance to right those wrongs that Horiguchi pretty much gave towards him. And two losses that he had 
And the first step to his career recovery would be to defeat Yuki Motoya. And to be honest, I don't know what else you can do to a man that's already been through a lot. I mean, I really don't because there's only so much a man can take before he reaches that point where he just wants to go crazy and kill himself and take others with him but where he just wants to think and revitalize himself i think Kubo has done enough about thinking about the former he's gonna have to do the latter i think a good way for him to do that would be to defeat yuki motoya and that's why i hope that Kubo gets the win in this fight for his sanity at least because at least when it comes to Motoya, he can live to fight another day. Okikubo, he's fighting like he ain't got nothing left to live for. But I really do hope that if he wins or loses, that he thinks about what he's doing with his life. Because it ain't worth ending it all over. Our co-main event of the evening also sees two bantamweight fighters in the Kyoji Horiguchi title chase. As former bantamweight king of Pancrase champion Shintaro Ishiwatari will take on UFC veteran and Sierra Longo fight team representative Yuta Okasasaki. First of all, the particulars on Shintaro Ishiwatari. He is 25-7-4 overall. 25 wins, 7 losses, 4 draws. He was born February 21, 1985. He is 34 years old, originally from Osaka, representing Cabe and fighting out of Nakano, Tokyo, Japan. He is a judo practitioner. His opponent... Yuta Okasasaki at 5 feet 10 inches tall. He weighs in normally at 125 and a half pounds, but he'll need to bulk up for this fight card. He fights for the 71 inch reach. He is 29 years old. Born October 7, 1989 in Numazu, Shizuoka, Japan. He fights out of Law MMA and the Sierra Longo fight team in New York City, New York, USA. By way of the Waijusu Keshukai Suga Dojo in Numazu Shizuoka, Japan. Ishibutari is the Bantamweight King of Pancrase Champion, or in some cases was the Bantamweight King of Pancrase Champion before vacating the title to focus on rising to the guy he last defeated, Hafayom Morsego Silva. In that reign of terror, he defended that title five times against Yosaito, Trevor Ward, Jonathan Brookins, Victor Henry, and of course, Rafael Morsego Silva. In addition to that, he's also fought for deep Valley Tudo Japan, obviously, and he lost to Kyoji Horiguchi, where he also lost to Horiguchi on New Year's Eve two years ago. And he's a veteran of Sengoku. Raiden Championships or World Victory Road Sengoku, as we all know it. For Yuta Okasasaki, the nine-fight UFC veteran got cut at the tail end of 2018, just in time to make a debut in Ryzen on the New Year's Eve show and defeat Manel Kate via unanimous decision. 
which drew the ire of a very long ago. Because even when you're winning under them, you're still losing. Just ask Chris Wyman. <laughs> but still, he is a former Shooto Featherweight Champion. He is obviously a veteran of Cage Force, Deep, and Valley Tudo Japan. But still, he is known for his finishing power. He is known to finish off opponents. And I think that if given the chance, Yuta Oka Sasaki will display that finishing power. But, to be quite honest, Ishiwatari is coming off of a big win as well. And even though Yuta Oka Sasaki is the only guy of the four men that are the pillars of this bantamweight division right now without Kyoji that hasn't fought Kyoji. I don't think it's really his time to fight Kyoji yet because dude only had one rising fight. But it's only going to be a matter of time before he does fight Kyoji and I don't think it's right now. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Shintaro Ishiwatari is going to be the one that bounces back and faces off against Kyoji Horiguchi even though... Shintaro Ishiwatari has not fought since losing to Kyoji Horiguchi at the Ryzen New Year's Eve show in 2017. But I do think that Yuta Okasasaki will one day potentially fight Kyoji Horiguchi. It's just that all the Shintaro Ishiwatari need to do is shake off the ring rust and he'll be ready to go come fight day, July 28th. Our main event of the evening which is set for three five-minute rounds, may as well be considered as a lightweight Grand Prix qualifier. But after all the bad blood that's been boiling when it comes down to this fight, I'm pretty sure that whoever wins this will probably have the right to, excuse my French, let they hang for a little bit. <laughs> as Yusuke Yachi, a member of Crazy B will take on the street-fighting veteran Mikulu Asakura. Now, for those of y'all that remember, all of this stemmed back from Ryzen 16, when the fights were originally announced, when the top three fights on the card were originally announced. They had all the fighters, all six of the men, Ishiwatari, Oka, Okikubo, Motoya, Yachi and Mikuru all stand in the ring together. That was basically when Mikuru Asakura said to a packed crowd that I have nothing to gain from this fight. I'm a featherweight, he's a lightweight. I asked if he would do it at a catchweight and he refused. So f*** it. I'm fighting this fight at his weight. But if I win, I don't want to fight in the lightweight Grand Prix. I want to have a featherweight Grand Prix. And I also want to have the main event at the Saitama Super Arena. Which, of course, on the latter, Ryzen obliged. But Mikuru also capped on the fact that Yusuke Yachi is coming off a two-fight losing streak. And rightfully so, as he's coming off of devastating knockout losses to Luis Killer Gustavo. As well as Hollywood Johnny Case via a technicality, a cut to the forehead that caused Yusuke not to continue. Mikuru has the right to cap on people, to talk shit about people, because 
He's currently riding a five-fight winning streak since his last loss, which was at Road FC 43 to Kill Wu Lee. Back on October 28, 2017, he has been riding a five-fight tear, including four of those five fights in the rising ring, defeating Karshiga Doubtbeck and Luis Killer Gustavo, but also knocking out in devastating fashion UFC and Sengoku veteran Hatsu Hiyoki and Shuto veteran Lion Takeshi Inoue. So I think this is going to be an explosive fight, but first let me get to the particulars. Mika Murasakura, 5'10", 145.3 pounds. This will be his first fight at lightweight, which is scheduled for 154.3 pounds or 70 kilograms on the button. Age 27. Mikuru was born July 15, 1992 in his hometown, Toyohashi, Aichi, Japan, and is a veteran of Rings the Outsider, where the former Karateka is a former Rings the Outsider 65kg and 70kg world champion. He's currently 10-1 with one no contest. But I think a lot of people forgot about that no contest aside from the fact that he's riding a five fight winning streak. Yusuke Yachi, the former Pacific Extreme Combat and Shudo Featherweight World Champion, stands in at 5 feet 9 inches tall, weighs in at 154 pounds. He is 29 years old, born May the 13th, 1990 in Bunkyo, Tokyo, Japan. This boxing practitioner fights out of Crazy B, but has been seen more recently fighting out of Henry Hoops Hard Knocks 365 camp in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, USA, just to rejuvenate himself from the two consecutive losses that he has undertaken. But still, that's not to say that Yusuke Yachi hasn't been dominant since coming into Ryzen. Because ever since he came into Ryzen on the third to last night of 2016, defeating Manny Pacquiao wannabe Mario Sismundo, the former PXC featherweight champion has been on a tear himself prior to the two losses that are aforementioned. He knocked out Darian Crookshank after that flying knee he gave to Mario Sismundo. He knocked out Satoru Kitaoka. He choked out Takanori Gomi, and he defeated Diego the Gun Nunez via split decision. But again, that was prior to the Gustavo and Case finishing losses that he took in the second round last summer and last winter. So Yusuke Yachi is going to have to build himself back up from square one. But again... Asakura's riding a tear. He's on the verge of giving Yusuke Yachi a third straight loss. I don't see him stopping the hype that he has. And I don't think he's going to bulk up to lightweight any further. So I think that if Mikuru wins, he's just going to deny Yachi a spot in the lightweight Grand Prix. Nothing more, nothing less. But I think that if Mikuru Asakura wins... He's going to probably be a dead ringer for that Ryzen Bellator card that's going to possibly come up at the end of the year. I don't know if it's going to be at Ryzen 20 or Ryzen 21. Either way, if Mika Rasakura wins, the future will look bright. 
If Yusuke Yachi wins, he's gonna basically restart his career from scratch. And it just might be in the lightweight Grand Prix if he ends up being a part of it. But I think that if Mikuru Asakura defeats Yusuke Yachi in a devastating fashion or less, the future will only be brighter for him. And the same thing goes for Kai Asakura who's currently missing from those Bantamweight pillars, but I think that Kai Asakura has better things to think about right now. But still, it's gonna be a fun fight card and I cannot wait to see it and... I just cannot wait to see Miku Asakura kick some ass. So yeah, in case anyone hasn't been listening, my predictions are as follows. Daiki Watabe over Hideki. Reina Miura over Stephanie Eggers. Yoki Ham over Tomo Maisawa. Vitali Shimatov over Jake Hume. Roberto Satoshi de Sosa over Mizu Tohirota. Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri over Ali Abdukalikov. Johnny Case over Satoru Kitaoka. Hikaru Machida over Taiga. Ivan Shirtakov over Hun Kim. Hiyomasa Okikubo over Yuki Motoya. Shintaro Ishiwatari over Yuta Oka Sasaki. And Mikuru Asakura over Yusuke Yachi. Those are my 12 picks. Feel free to make yours in the comments below. I will be sure to reply back to them as much as I can. But again, I thank all of y'all for listening to my predictions for this event. I know that my sound quality can sometimes be the bane of my existence, but hey, it was fun and I enjoyed giving these predictions out to y'all and I hope y'all enjoyed them along with me again if y'all want to comment on these predictions that's cool I gladly appreciate it also a little quick pluggage if you want to follow me on twitter you can do so at chrisgary92 I'll be sure to follow you back if you like what you heard you can follow the we are rising podcast on stitcher soundcloud and hopefully pretty soon wherever you get your podcast and also you can subscribe to we are rising youtube channel and follow we are rising on twitter at we are rising pod you can do the same on twitter for focus fights we cover all sorts of mma news from around the world the scenes of the u.s uk russia south america hell anywhere you want us to follow will be emphasized you can follow us on twitter at focus fights you can like our youtube channel at youtube.com just search for focus fights because we don't have a proper url yet but still we need subscribers we need likes on facebook we need follows on twitter because we want to try and get the focus fights website back up so all the love that y'all can support us with we would gladly appreciate it. Oh, and uh, one more thing. You can check out the MMA Opinion on Facebook. They are one of the best blogs for MMA on Facebook. At facebook.com slash Opinion. I'm sure the guys behind it would enjoy your surplus of likes. But until then, that is it for me. For now. 
Even though I know Andrew Benjamin wishes he was here to help me out with closing this show out, I would like to thank him for not giving me too much of a hassle when it came down to the audio issues on the recent edition of the We Are Rising podcast, which again, you can listen to on Stitcher and SoundCloud because he had a great, great talk with Bruno Masami prior to this Ryzen 17 card, which I hope we all will enjoy. Which again, that Ryzen 17 card will take place on Sunday, July 28th from the world-famous Saitama Super Arena in Saitama City, Saitama Prefecture, Japan. Not Tokyo. Saitama Shi, Saitama, Japan. And it'll take place live internationally, especially in the U.S. on the Fight TV app and Fight.TV, F-I-T-E. For all you simpletons out there, feel free to follow them on Twitter as well. Give them a shout out. Give them a like on Facebook and a subscription on YouTube for free, of course. I'm pretty sure they are on all their social media networks at Fight TV. And I don't want to sound like I'm shilling for Fight TV because I'm a big fan of the reality of wrestling, Booker T's promotion down in Galveston County, Texas. And I'm a fan of MLW, the Court Bauer promotion down in Florida. Both of those promotions are on Fight TV as well. But if you want to get the Fight TV app, and the event will be on Fight TV for $19.99 this upcoming Sunday, July 28th. You can download the app through your iOS or Android app store. Just search for the FITE app. That's all there is to it. But until then, I thank you all for listening to at least my version of the We Are Rising podcast. I hope to try and do better on the audio the next time. But until then, I think the incomparable Lenny Hart has a little something to say. And just like that, we out this mug. Talk to y'all later. Peace out.